Hi friends, welcome back to another episode of Your Age Is Not Your Cage. This is um, kind of a part two to last week's with Robin Tout on breast implants, breast cancer, um, breast implant illness. This is a part two with Robin, but Amanda Horta is joining us today also along with Robin. And Amanda is also known as the Holistic Beauty Coach on Instagram and her page is amazing. Uh, her and Robin both are such advocates for breast implant illness and making women aware of what it is. And they are just out there fighting and creating um, different laws and informed consents just to help women understand what they're getting into and being aware is their focus. And so I am so excited to have these two on today. Um, I'm going to read a little bit from Amanda's bio. Um, the main thing about Amanda is she loves aesthetics and natural health. And I love following her page because I learned so much more because I'm a lover of holistic health and uh, she stands for everything I do and I love it. Um, but she has worked in the beauty industry for 20 years and trained under some of the best practitioners in the country. Um, she has incorporated holistic health into all her treatment plans, especially when she was in the plastic surgery industry. Um, using this knowledge, she created a non-toxic skincare line, strategized business relationships with wellness and beauty brands for a prominent Beverly Hills plastic surgeon. Uh, she is a certified health coach, and she is passionate about educating people and now she's inspiring people just to become their very personal best. Um, she has experienced breast implant illness, had them uh, explanted. She's detoxed, fully healed. And she will be talking about that and what that has looked like for her. So, so excited to have her on. We're going to be talking about much more than that. We're going to be talking about Botox, fillers, uh, holistic beauty, holistic health what that looks like. Along with Robin Tout from last week, you remember her three-time breast cancer survivor, and she also had breast implants after breast cancer surgery and then had them explanted. And she goes into great detail about sh how she is advocating now to help women. So welcome these two to my show. I am so excited that they are back. And I, I want to say, please share this episode even if you don't have implants, I do not have implants. I've never had Botox or fillers or any of the things that we're talking about, but I'm passionate about helping women just to be aware, to make informed decisions. And I just ask if you know anyone, anyone that is considering this, just share this with them so that it can help them become informed as they make decisions as they're going along too. So, okay. Thanks again for joining us on Your Age Is Not Your Cage. And here we go. Let's welcome Robin and Amanda. Hi. Okay. We are welcoming back Robin Tout today, who was on last week's episode. And we also have Amanda Porta here with us today, also known as the Holistic Beauty Coach. Um, and um, so we have both of them here. I'm going to let them introduce themselves, just share a little bit about themselves. And then we are going to dig in because we have a lot that we want to unpack. So, uh, Robin, if you want to do a quick introduction of yourself again, and uh, then we'll we'll hear from Amanda. 
Sure thing. I'm Robin Tout. I'm co-founder of GPAC, which is the Global Patient Advocacy Coalition. And I became a patient advocate after being harmed by breast implants. I was diagnosed with breast cancer in 2017, didn't do any treatment, only surgery. And um, my health took a really rapid decline after getting breast implants. So luckily for me, um, I only had them in for four months. I was able to figure it out pretty quickly. And that prompted me to become a patient advocate and pass legislation to protect patients and allow them to make an educated and informed decision. So thanks for having me today. Oh, of course, absolutely. Uh, my name is Amanda Porta. I've worked in the beauty industry for over 20 years. And I started my Instagram platform, The Holistic Beauty Coach, because when I found out that breast implants were the cause of my seven and a half year chronic illness journey, I felt like I really needed to speak out. I saw how many women in these support groups were suffering from the same symptoms that I was. And I just knew that I couldn't stay quiet. Uh, I also had ironically tried to infuse holistic health with beauty in the beauty industry in Beverly Hills in 2012. Ironically, those are the years that I was at my most sick and I had to actually kind of take a break. And then now I'm, you know, coming back, I spent the last four and a half years just helping patients remove their implants. And um, I'm now a um, health coach. So I could prep them for surgery. I helped them in the weeks after I started a holistic breast team and I am coming out with um, a non-toxic breast balm soon to help women understand their lymphatics and the importance of keeping them healthy. So a lot of things in the space of holistic beauty. Uh, I love that. And repeat that again, because I couldn't understand you're creating what a holistic breast what? A breast balm. It's actually called oh, breast a balm. Okay. And it's a non-toxic balm. Yes, not only to nourish your scars after explant surgery, but also to stimulate your lymphatics and also, you know, encourage self-exam for women. So it's for all women, not just women who explant. It can be women, you know, who don't have implants, women who do have implants. Like I always say, if you do have implants and hopefully you're not experiencing any symptoms keeping your lymphatic system healthy is one of the most important things that you can do. Yes. And I cannot wait to dig into that, but I'm not going to get ahead of myself because it's like, I get excited. I'm like, there's so much <laughs> you just said I want to talk about, but first um, I want uh, y'all to share, because I know you have been on podcasts together and spoken together um, several times, which is how I ended up trying to connect with both of you is how did that come about? Like, which, what is, your story about how you two connected and now how you are both out there together a lot when you do speak. Robin? <laughs> well, Amanda and I met several years ago now. I can't remember. I think it was like 2019. Yeah. Um, and we just connected immediately. We were like kindred spirits and, you know, have a lot of the same thought processes. And we both realized really quickly, Amanda has an amazing following on social media. But we realized very quickly that we were being censored mm -hmm. and um, a lot of posts that we were making really good informative posts that we were trying to get out there to the public um, were either being reported or censored. Um, so we we kind of had to think outside the box, which is very common for us to have to do in the work that we do. And 
Amanda started hooking us up with a bunch of podcasts. Like if they're going to censor us on social media, let's find another place to speak. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of how we got, got rolling with it all. Yeah. And it's a great combination because I like to speak of the, you know, health and holistic piece of all of this. And Robin's my girl for all the data and studies (laughs) I don't have the patience for. (laughs) (laughs) And that's what's so great about it is, you know, to combine those two things together, um, where both are so important. And um, you can just feel it when you two talk. When I've seen you on other things, I'm like, oh, I have to have them on because, um, you know, you just have the expertise with, with learning about informed consent and everything. Uh, that's so important with with implants or explants. And then Amanda adds the extra piece of all the holistic side of it. And and um, as we're going into that, Amanda, I would love if you would share your story because you do have um, a journey with breast implant illness too, um, just like Robin. And so I would love to uh, the listeners to hear from you on that. Yes. And I mean, I will try to sum it up because it was a long journey. Like I had mentioned before, seven and a half years of chronic illness. And that might not sound like a long time, but when you're sick every day and you don't know what is wrong, um, I can say now it was really scary. At the time, I just had so much pride and I was trying to be so strong. I don't think I could admit that like I can now. Um, But anyway, um, so back in 2003, I was in my 20s and I got breast implants. I had something called a very minor case of tuberous breast deformity. There are two. There's tuberous breast that's actually very common and uh, Poland syndrome. So a lot of women will get breast implants for that reason. I had tried to have a surgery just to correct it. I didn't have much breast tissue. So, I mean, there wasn't a lot to work with. So when I didn't have a successful outcome, I was a little disappointed. They said, well, why don't we just put a breast implant in? But that's just not my thing. And, you know, no judgment. I just am very natural. I grew up with a mother who's natural. She's never done a thing to herself. And I really admired that. And I remember thinking to myself, like, how's that going to feel to look down in the shower and kind of see something that doesn't belong there? Um, But in my quest to just kind of feel normal, um, I, I got them. I got saline implants in 2003. I immediately got something called capsular contracture, um, which in my case necessitated having to have them replaced a year later. I had to go to a new surgeon because that surgeon was on maternity leave. And he said promptly, well, let's put silicone in since we're going to replace them. You're so thin. It's going to cut down on any rippling. And I did have the wherewithal at that time, even though I knew nothing about breast implants and I'm honest about it. I didn't do any research. I'm in my twenties. I'm like, I'm invincible. I don't have, even if someone had told me there's a possibility of autoimmune or hormonal disruption, I would have said, I don't have any autoimmune in my family. We're all so healthy. Um, so I didn't do any research and I said, but isn't silicone bad? Because ironically, silicone implants were banned during the time that I got them. I mean, you can't make these stories up. I was just like, so I reluctantly, he said, oh, well, we've made them better than ever. We're going to be doing a study for all of you women who are getting these in. So I went to the most reputable surgeon who was working with the manufacturers, which I thought was a good thing at the time. 
And he was going to do a study and follow me and my symptoms to make sure I was, you know, healthy and I wasn't having any issues from him. So I did. I, I said yes. I thought he knew best. I got these implants in. But within the first nine months, I started experiencing issues with sleep, hormonal disruption. Um, I had a ruptured ovarian cyst. Again, you couldn't prove that it was related to the breast implants, but I never had any of these issues before. I went to the best gynecologist, so I did have the wherewithal to do that too. I said I experienced kind of perimenopausal symptoms, and I'm only in my mid-20s. And she said, oh, well, that's your normal. And of course, you know, I didn't understand medical gaslighting at the time because I don't even really go to the doctor. Right. So anyway, the symptoms would get worse. And after seven and a half years, I think my immune system just couldn't handle anymore. And I was in a minor fender bender. And after that, the pain in my body, that was the inflammation, was so excruciating. It didn't make any sense based on the accident. And all about 40 symptoms came out, everything from thyroid um, issues, my hair started falling out, my vision was blurred, I couldn't walk up a flight of stairs without being winded. And, you know, I also had always kind of practiced more natural beauty, even being in the industry. I did do Botox, and we can talk about that more. But I started using natural products and all of those things. So after getting my breast implants out and making a full recovery. And, you know, I'm, I'm in my forties when I got them out. Um, but for like all 40 symptoms to get better, I just knew that I would be a big voice in this. And I just wanted to be able to encourage other women that, you know, if I can do it, you can do it too. Mm. Wow. So you had a man was, is that right? Like about 20 years? I had them in for 15, 15 years. Okay. And yeah. you know, Robin and I, I think we might have touched on it too before about just the age and, you know, back when I considered doing it, I had kids late in life. And so it was mm -hmm. after I had my kids. And um, so I had my daughter yeah. 38 and everyone else was doing it. And it's like, well, it seemed like mm -hmm. the thing to do after you have babies. Well, let's, you know, right. get things back where they used to be. And I, I know even at that age, I would not have done my due diligence researching and really looking into it because it's something I wanted. And so yeah. even if someone were going to share with me, maybe some things like they did with you on autoimmune, I'd be like, oh, no, no, I'm good. I'm fine. Because if it's something you really want, you really don't want to know all mm -hmm. those other details and Absolutely. I mean, my mom said the same thing to me. She said, you know, there was nothing stopping you at that yeah. age. And I'm the first to admit that. Yeah. But what bothered me when I was reading all the stories in these Facebook groups from women, and I was literally on my recovery bed, because when I started putting together the puzzle pieces, it could be the breast implants. I removed them within about three weeks or so, um, because it had been such a long journey for me. So it was resonating with me. I had tried everything else. I had spent hundreds of thousands of dollars. So I was just ready to say, Hey, let's just go for this and let's try it. Um, but when I was reading these women again, being victimized and being told by their plastic surgeons, Oh, well, we told you that you could have autoimmune illness and hormonal disruption. I was like, wait a minute. No. Cause I'm, I'm there in those consults over the years. I didn't work with breast implants all of those years, but when I did, we don't warn patients of that. Is it in the consent? Yes. 
but I can't tell you how many women would say to me over the years, do we really need to read all of this? Do it? Oh, they're just, you know, signing away. I said, yes, it's to your benefit to read all of it. And I would say I didn't read through it all at 20 something. Yeah. No, as you're saying that I'm thinking guilty, you know, I did, I wouldn't have read through everything I've been. I've had procedures where I haven't read through anything, but I can tell you now, um, especially after learning from y'all and being on this journey, I will be reading, you know, anything that, that uh, needs to be done. And let me ask you this, because it's come up from a couple people I know that are young uh, moms. So one is 30, mm-hmm. just had a baby and she has implants and has been considering explanting. Her concern is, is breastfeeding down the road. And if I get them out now, is that going to affect that? Do, should I wait? What, you know, and just kind of have you um, either one of you had any um, experience or any stories along that line? Um, well, I can just speak for working in the industry. I know so many women. In fact, I, we know women, and Robin can talk to this too, who've gotten pregnant just fine with their husbands, um, gotten breast implants after their first pregnancy to make them feel just like what you're saying, make them feel better, then can't conceive again for years, have to start doing IVF. I can't tell you how many stories I've heard like this. Mm-hmm. Eventually they do get sick in the cases that I know, get the breast implants out. Oh, and then in their forties, I know a woman who then got pregnant again at 41 and 43 without issue, did not have an issue with breastfeeding at that point. Um, But I don't think it's anything that anyone can promise you because with any surgery like that, there's no guarantee. And there's no guarantee you can breastfeed even if you don't have breast implants. Right. That's my take on it, Robin. Yeah, I agree. And I've seen cases go both ways in um, whether it's people we know and have worked with or just patient stories in the support groups. Um, I do want to point out that the chemicals that are in the gel bleed that the manufacturers talk about in their patient education brochures that 86% of patients never get, um, it does talk about complications with breastfeeding, but, you know, when you have breast implants, Um, And it also talks about the gel bleed where the low molecular weight platinum particles do emit through the shell. Um, They do, they are found in breast milk. So, you know, there are some, some dangers and risks involved with breastfeeding with implants. And we actually have one of my very good friends um, was harmed by her mother's breast implants in utero and during breastfeeding. And her mom had four healthy children before implants and then she got implants and her next two children were very sick. Mm. Both of them are currently in a wheelchair. They're in their, I believe they're in their forties, um, either at least thirties I know. And, you know, they've had a host of autoimmune issues. Um, their mother was actually an advocate back in the nineties fighting for children that were harmed by the silicone chemicals that are in breast implants leaking through the implant shell, leaking into the breast milk. Conveniently, they've never studied breast milk with silicone and breast implants. So, you know, that's, that is a study that should have been done 60 years ago, in my opinion. Um, because, you know, to, to Amanda's point, society has normalized breast implants. You know, it's just, 
something all your friends are doing. Like you said, Carla, you know, after everyone has kids, that's just what you do. And then, you know, they coin these marketing terms like mommy makeover. You know, this is for you. You deserve this. Do this for yourself. And yet they're putting you under anesthesia for anywhere from four to six hours to do these mommy makeovers. So it's a very predatory industry. And another, to Amanda's point, you you do sign off on some of these things in your consent forms. But as a 21-year-old patient who's been relatively healthy their whole life, you don't know what these autoimmune diseases are, lupus, fibromyalgia, connective tissue disease. So, you know, it's really informed consent should be a conversation. It's not just a piece of paper. It's not just an information booklet. It's a conversation that doctors owe patients the right to have when they took an oath to do no harm. And so it's really important to have those conversations, but we hear time and time again that the women say, yeah, I signed off on that, but my doctor just brushed it off and told me that's so rare. You know, the cancers now that, that, that are caused by breast implants, doctors are saying, oh, it's so rare, you have a better chance of being struck by lightning. Well, let me tell you something. I don't know anyone that's been struck by lightning, but I know many people who have been diagnosed with these breast implant cancers. So, and again, we don't know what we don't know. They're not looking for them. They're not doing the studies. They never followed these breast implant patients. So for them to claim that it's rare, you know, it's just not a believable story when you haven't followed hundreds of thousands of patients every year. So we definitely need better studies done by people that don't have a conflict of interest that are not paid by industry. And it's interesting because a lot of the studies that we do have that are very enlightening and shed, you know, a lot of information on this, they're not done by plastic surgeons. They're being conducted by rheumatologists or dermatologists who are starting to see patterns in their patients with breast implants. And they look into it and think, you know, maybe I'll look into this more and do some research on it. So when we talk about looking at science, we really have to look at who's doing the science as well. Because when you look at studies on breast implants that are done by doctors that are not putting breast implants in, they're not going to have that biased opinion. And it's not going to affect their bottom dollar and their cash cow. So I think it's really important when we talk about science, no matter what part of medicine we're talking about, it's really important to look at who's conducting the studies, how much money do they get paid by industry, and how much of a role is industry playing in it? Yeah, that's such a good point. Yeah, I love that. Um, So Amanda, share with then your journey in your healing, the things that you did um, along the way in your, after you had them explanted, share with us kind of what that looked like. So interestingly enough, in 2012, when I was at my sickest and I was trying to implement holistic health with beauty, because I always... I was saying it, common sense would tell you, if you're not healthy on the inside, how can you possibly radiate beauty on the outside? Um, And so, and I noticed too, when I was sick, I said, this is the strangest illness, whatever this is that I have. I thought I had ingested something. At one point I thought it was toxic mold. And I said, I feel like I'm aging overnight. Because for me, I've always, I, I kind of take after my mom. My mom's beautiful. She's 80. She's never done anything, like I said. I always look younger and I felt like all of a sudden, like my skin, I look so, well, that's inflammation, right? And even some plastic surgeons in Beverly Hills who don't even want to believe in BII, they've said to me, well, we don't know about this BII thing, but you do look about 10 years younger since removing them. I said, well, of course, inflammation is what ages us, right? 
So um, when I got them out, so in 2012, I had started working with a German doctor. And, you know, as we know, Germany, they're light years ahead of us when it comes to health. He's a nat- he was a naturopath, so darling of a man. I said, teach me everything you can about the human body. Because these Western medicine doctors here, they're just not getting it. They keep shushing me off and saying, oh, you just have anxiety. Oh, there's nothing wrong with you. You know when something's wrong with you, especially for somebody who's never really been sick. I felt so horrible each day. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't even get through my day. I was so exhausted. And so I started learning about the human body. And the lymphatic system became, to me, the holy grail. I said, wow, why don't we know more about this, especially here in the United States? And I would ask some of my doctor friends, did you learn much about the lymphatic system in medical school? And they say, no, not really. I'd say, I would venture to guess that's probably one of our most important systems in the body because that's what carries out disease and toxins. So I started learning about that. I started playing it. We still didn't figure out it was my implants. I really believe I was supposed to go on that full seven and a half year journey to get so sick, not only so I could wake up, but I also like changed my perspective um, of, of surrender. You know, in the end, I, I, I surrendered. I was on my knees in my bedroom asking God, you know, if you could please find me a doctor who will remove these. I, I will continue to spread your word. I will help these women. And, you know, I've kept up my end of the bargain. <laughs> He's kept his. I said, just protect me and keep a roof over my head. And I will continue to talk about it. Um, and so I'd already understood holistic medicine and fallen in love with it at the time that I was removing them. And I knew that the human body just wants to be balanced. It wants to be in homeostasis. So as eager as I was to heal all of these things, I also said to myself, I kind of want to see how much can just heal on its own. So I have to be honest, there was no detox plan or special plan that I did. I know everybody wants that. And I always say the same thing to my clients. It's not one size fits all when it comes to health. All of us have had different issues, different symptoms going on. So I couldn't even in good faith give you just like a detox plan or a special supplement. I um, started eating better, started eating an anti-inflammatory diet. Um, I started walking again. For me, having always been athletic and um, really into working out, Walking is always the best way to kind of start getting things going again. So the inflammation started going away. My hair stopped falling out. My vision started improving. Um, I started to, I took a blood test after three months, my blood work, even though it didn't really show anything drastic hormonally and my thyroid, you could see improvement. Um, I did have to go on a natural thyroid medication for a short time just because it was so in the tank that I had to. Um, but I've even weaned off of that. I take um, iodine a few times a week. My blood work now, four years later, is perfect. And I just turned 50 on Monday. So hormonally, like, and, and that says a lot, I think, when you can be that sick. And it did take time. And I am very honest with that with women. It's not like I woke up and everything was better. Because I think that doctors make fun of BII when women say like, I woke up and I could take a deep breath and I started feeling better. Well, that's your lymphatic system kicking back in. 
I believe when you have a roadblock like these breast implants in your body, it's like a dam. When you have debris, what happens? The water stops flowing. And for 80% water, if you looked at Chinese medicine, they would never go for these because you're throwing off the natural water and energy flow of the body. So when we see women's, um, you know, bloodshot eyes get better overnight, when they can take a deep breath, I think they start feeling better because they're getting more oxygen to their brain. Um, It makes sense. But yeah, yeah, it took me about a year and a half to fully feel better. I did a lot of infrared sauna to move out the toxins that had built up because when your lymphatic system isn't working, the toxins build up in your body. And what does that lead to? Autoimmune illness, Mm -hmm. right? So it all makes sense. I just, um, I don't know. I think for Western medicine, it's a shame. It's their education that they're missing out on that really could connect the dots for them. Like I can see it so easily. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and okay. So for those that are not real familiar with lymphatic, when you are talking about your lymphatic health, Mm -hmm. you know, I've seen some of the stuff that you've put up on. And even, even for me, that's an area I want to learn more about, Mm -hmm. you know, there are certain Mm -hmm. things I do to help that, but I want to go further in it because I was thinking, I want to ask her, like, how do you find the best place to get a lymphatic massage? You know, where, I mean, some of the stuff you put up, I'm like, well, I want to do that, but where do I go to find? And what I know there's so many different things involved with it and things you can do at home also to help get your, your lymphatic system going. Yes. Well, so with the lymphatic system, it doesn't have its own pump like the heart. So it's up to us to encourage our lymphatic each day. Um, And as we get older, and also we're all born with, you know, different um, lymphatic um, capability, capacity, I guess, if you will. Some people's are just probably healthier than others. But we live in a society where most people are sitting down all day at their desks or they're, you know, driving in a car all the time. Um, they're not exercising as much. I think so many people, I was always shocked when at 40 years old, people would be like, oh yeah, you know, I'm a hundred pounds overweight and this is just what it's like when you're older. I'm like, not for me. I'm in the best shape of my life now. Um, and so things like um, rhythmic things, like jumping on a rebounder, a small trampoline, it's harder than you think. But if you can do a little bit of that each day, walking, that rhythm of walking, great for your lymphatic system. Dry brushing is amazing. Hot and cold. Like we have a hot tub here and a cold pool going in between the two or even just in your shower. I finish off every shower going from hot to cold to hot to cold. It's a little almost like lever in there that just like it's it doesn't take a lot to get it open. But when it gets closed, what happens is your body doesn't get rid of toxins. So they start building up. And this is what I see with women with breast implants. Um, I did some thermography scans right before getting my implants out because I wanted to see if the inflammation uh, would get better. And I was kind of surprised because I said to the technician taking them, I said, do you see my underarms, clavicle, and pelvis? Those are your three main lymph ports. They are completely flaming red and inflamed. She's like, yeah, that is weird. So I posted my photos, and that was back in 2019. And I said to women, um, these are my thermography scans. I have a question for you. Are you guys sweating with your implants? 
And I was shocked how many people wrote, you know what, now that you mention it, no, I'm not sweating since I got implants. I, I thought it was just me like, oh, I don't sweat a lot. Okay, not sweating a lot is not a good thing. We only have so many detoxification pathways, sweat being one of them. And so if you're not sweating, you're not getting the toxins out. And it's up in the air. I don't know the answer to this, but um, there have been some uh, doctors who've done studies on women who go in the infrared sauna and have breast implants. They think that the breast implants, the shell might degrade faster going in the infrared sauna. So in the way, I'm kind of blessed that I didn't do that much before getting them out. But now I think infrared sauna is so great. I do it four times a week. So that's also great for our lymphatics. But, um, and we can talk later when it comes to holistic beauty, though, the lymphatic is so important because I also noticed about this time how many, let's say, celebrities were getting face filler. And I'm like, wow, they look so inflamed to me. And they're, it's not looking good to me. It looks like it's aging them. They're looking very puffy. puffy. Think, yeah. yeah, the same thing applies. If you're putting this filler in and it's clogging your lymphatic, the network of lymphatic in your face, well, then you would look more puffy and it would be more inflamed. And the same with Botox. Like I don't believe in quote unquote paralyzing or freezing the muscles. I think it's like the muscles in your body. You need to work them out and exercise them. So I started introducing the concept on my Instagram to people who hadn't heard about it of having holistic facials, gua sha facials, buckle facials. I even do one where it's almost like a pinchy kind of facial. I know that sounds like it's not very comfortable and at first it's not. It's your fascia. When your fascia is not healthy, that's when your skin adheres and you see wrinkles. So everything that we've been taught in my mind, and this is just my opinion, is the opposite <laughs> and it's gonna make you age faster. So when I stopped doing Botox after getting my implants out, I was nervous because I had done it for 20 years. I did Botox, I didn't do filler. I did Botox for 20 years. I wasn't sure what to expect. And I just had my, one of my good girlfriends in town and she hadn't seen me in a while. And I said, you tell me, cause she's in the beauty industry too. Do I look really any different having not done Botox? She's like, no, you look better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's true. Speaking of Botox and detox pathways, you know, people are, people don't want to sweat, you know, and they're actually getting Botox in their armpits so that they don't sweat to prevent them from sweating. It's like, you're literally poisoning yourself because you're blocking your ability to, like Amanda said, you know, we only have so many detox pathways, injecting Botox in your armpits. You're basically keeping harboring all those toxins in you. And I don't do um, the infrared sauna just because I have an intolerance to heat. But I do think it's interesting that I got my breast implants in the month of May. Uh, well, I got expanders in May and breast implants in August. I live in Arizona. And in August and July, our temperatures are literally above 110 for 45 to 60 days straight. And I like to exercise outside. I like to be outdoors. And I really wonder if I got so sick so fast because I live in Arizona and I got those in the summertime. I would be curious to see if I would have gotten that sick if I got them during the wintertime when I wasn't, you know, but I mean, it's hot. And when we go outside when it's that hot, I mean, your body temperature increases, you're sweating like crazy. 
And um, one of the first reactions I had was after my um, reconstruction surgery, a friend of mine that I used to teach with came over because she wanted to lay out by my pool. And I had just had surgery about eight weeks prior. So I, I wasn't going to get in the pool yet. I wanted to make sure my incisions were healed. And so I sat in the shade under the fan on my patio, but it was warm out. I mean, it was hot out and I wasn't even in the sun and I had clothes on and I went indoors and I had broken out in this splotchy red rash all over my chest, but I, it wasn't a sunburn because I wasn't in the sun. I was literally on the patio the entire time. And I was really concerned about it. And I, it was very itchy. It was very uncomfortable. I called my plastic surgeon that afternoon and went in the next morning as an emergency case. And, you know, I told her, I said, I, I promise I wasn't out in the sun. I didn't even put a swimsuit on. I didn't get in the pool. And uh, her answer to me was, don't go outside. <laughs> I'm talking about the pills, you know, she prescribed to me for all the pain and, you know, stuff I was going to, but she, that was her answer. Just don't no, go. So funny. I mean, that's the same answer. Remember my chest was so tight. I got costochondritis, which for a lot of women, I like to say that because when they hear it, they say, oh, I was, I was diagnosed with costochondritis and then I was diagnosed with pleurisy. Nothing. It never got better over six months. They gave me a steroid. I have to say the steroid did help for like a week or two. And then it was back to normal. And I went to my primary care again. I said, what is causing this? She said, oh, I bet it was from that car accident in 2011 and the seatbelt going here. She's just like throwing ideas into the air. I said, okay, well, how do I get costochondritis better? Because the steroid didn't help. She said, just don't use your chest muscles. And I mean, me just being so desperate at the time, but really, in fact, I should have just laughed in her face. I said, and can you tell me like how long I shouldn't use my chest muscles for? And she said, oh, I don't know, four to six months. Well, you tell me, Carla, how far you could get not using your chest muscles. Okay, yeah. you use the to open a door. You use them to flush the toilet. Yeah. You use your chest muscles. That's not, but this is what these doctors are telling people and, and pushing them on their way. Yeah. Yeah, it's bad. I was talking with a patient bad. this morning. And she told me she, from the minute she was done with surgery, she had complications. She had gone back to her doctor four or five times, which I did too. This is what she told me. He tried to tell me I just gained weight. And that's why I had a painful lump with my tummy tuck. I called my surgery center to get the weight the day of surgery. And it was the exact same. She hadn't gained any weight. It was all inflammation and toxins. And then she told me he tried to brush everything I've come into him with under the rug with scientific talk that actually made sense when he speaks it. But I'm always left to feel like I'm the problem and they aren't helping me. And I literally told her he's gaslighting you. Like they use these scientific terms that might sound like they make sense. But in reality, it's just like Amanda said earlier, we know our body. You know when something's not right. When I'm sitting there with five bottles of pills going, this isn't right, you know trust your intuition, trust your gut, because, you know, these doctors, it's, it's very sad that they're mistreating patients and not taking their complications seriously. And like Amanda shouldn't have had to suffer for seven years. How many doctors and practitioners did you see during that time? I don't know. Is it like, it was like 68, just with everybody total from the holistic to the Western, to the specialist, to the radiologist, to everyone. I counted it up once because I thought yeah. in all of those people, 
for not one to even ask. And it wasn't on the intake forms, by the way, of the holistic practitioners at the time either, but for not one person to say, wait a minute, do you have an implanted medical device? I wish just one had, because as soon as my colonic practitioner brought it to my attention, then I really it, like light bulb went off. And that's all I hope is that more people will be talking about it. In fact, we have explanted a lot of nurses and nurses always say, thank you so much, Amanda. I had the same experience as you, sick for years. My colleagues would say, oh, well, we know you're sick, but whatever it is, it's definitely not your implants. Same with me. Even my one of my plastic surgeon bosses told me, oh, there's no such thing as an illness that's associated with breast implants. Even though he worked during the moratorium, he's in his 60s now. So he's well aware that there is an illness associated with your breast implants. Um, and so we remove them from these nurses and they're so awesome. They'll go around their hospitals telling everybody, oh, it was my breast implants that were causing that. So people are definitely waking up in the medical industry. I think Just not maybe a lot of plastic surgeons. I think there's a lot of areas where people are waking up in the medical industry. I've seen it and I've seen it when I get, I go to an integrative functional um, practitioner um, and even he has talked about just the change that he's seen in people and the change of, I don't, I don't feel like it's normal anymore that I'm, I'm supposed to feel like this or be sick or be on 10 different medications or, you know, so I do think people are waking up and I think it is so important It's what I stress over and over, even with my clients is being your, your own best health advocate, because yes. you've got to listen, like Robin said, to that intuition, that gut of, wait, something's not right here. And when, when I'm in that doctor's office, I, I'm the one that gets to ask questions. I'm the one that wants answers. And it's yeah. okay to ask questions, even if they don't like them. Yes. And don't think that you are a bother. You are paying yeah. them. They work for you. Just like politicians, right. I always say, they're working for you. So don't you feel sorry for one second. The problem I think was, and I will attest to this too, in all the years I was working in plastic surgery, I didn't ever have any women coming in who sounded like me. And same thing that like my former bosses have said, they're like, I think that we were so busy asking women how they, how everything looked. We didn't bother to ask them like how they felt. And I think all these um, patients like myself we're going to the rheumatologists and the gynecologists and because we're not thinking that it possibly could be the breast implants. And so I will say, if I do hear plastic surgeons, and this is just some of them say, oh, we absolutely haven't seen this. I do believe some of them, although now I would have to say, if I've just spent the last four years um, doing four explants a week and helping with that for the last four years, every week, it's not that rare. <laughs> other they have to be seeing this more and more and more and we're not doing this to scare women i'm not doing that i'm not doing this myself to take these off the market it's not my place to make those decisions in the world it's my place to support other women who might have the same experience i did to give them hope and that's it and to just you know share my wisdom with them and if anyone has a problem with it i say it all the time you can come and talk to me because this is helping a lot of women and the work that women like Robin do, do and all of these advocates is so amazing. They're not getting paid for this. 
they're doing this out of the love in their heart to help others. And, um, you know, the respect that's not given to these women from these surgeons who are calling them crazy. When, when you're actually in a profession where you're supposed to be helping people is so outrageous to me that I'm going to continue to call it out until more people get on board with supporting these patients. Absolutely. There's still going to be plenty of women who get them. Let's face yeah. it. Yeah. Like, it's just like, it's just like cigarettes. People buy cigarettes all the time and everyone knows they can cause lung cancer. Now, does every person who smokes cigarettes get lung cancer? No. But at the same at the same time, like Amanda said, the disrespect of these women that are going through these illnesses, you know, just like that patient told me this morning how her surgeon was using medical terminology to gaslight her. There are key opinion leaders in these medical societies that are doing the same exact thing to their peers, their colleagues, medical students and patients. And they're sitting here telling us we don't have any scientific data showing that breast implants cause breast implant illness. And oh, by the way, breast implant illness isn't even a diagnosed disease, if you will. But what they're not telling you is they've known since the early 1990s that breast implants cause multiple forms of cancer. Why are they hiding that? Why are they not talking about that? And the fact that they can cause cancer, is it really that far off to think they can cause an autoimmune disease? I mean, cancer is much worse than an autoimmune disease, right? Everyone knows the big C as the big bad cancer. So at what point do, I mean, it's unfortunate that we have to say things like, don't believe your doctor, but at what point do we start using common sense? If something is extreme enough and dangerous enough to cause cancer, it can cause other problems in the body. So we need to address that. And, you know, the science, that's not my job. I don't have the funding. I don't have the scientific background to conduct a study to prove it. Um, Those studies should have been done 60 years ago when they wanted to put breast implants on the market. And then when silicone was banned for over a decade, those studies should have been rigorous. Absolute, no stone left unturned. And they aren't. And the FDA hasn't held the manufacturers accountable. They've never even followed the patients they were supposed to follow. Mm -hmm. So at some point, We have to believe these women. There are hundreds of thousands of women screaming about this all over social media at family gatherings. No matter who they (laughs) talk to, they will share their story for nothing. They get nothing out of it. We're not getting paid. There's no money in this for us. We're not suing. There's no Mm -hmm. lawsuit. So, I mean, why, why would we be speaking so loudly about this? Right. Right. And I say it all the time, too. Women like Robin and I, when you get breast implants because of um, reconstruction from breast cancer, or in my case, from a deformity, you want these to work. It's not like I wanted to go through this. It's not like I wanted to take them out. I'm so happy I did now. I'm the happiest with my breasts now. I'm happy to be healthy. But we want these to work. We didn't want to be put in this position. But if you're going to ask us if we're going to just stay quiet or support these women, Oh, you better believe it. I'm not going to stay quiet about it. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's our stories. It's the things that we've experienced and been through. And then the combined passion that I know you both have, and I have, I have for getting stories out to women and also in my health coaching, helping women. It's just, I mean, we have that passion and that desire to just help educate and empower and equip women. And they can go decide what they want to do with that information. 
That's why I always say we're not doctors. We're not judging for anything. No. It's this is care and concern for women out there, for people that I know that uh, may or may not have implants or or do Botox fillers. It's it's concern for just hear what people are saying that have been through it. Ask yourself, wow, I've had that and that and that and those symptoms too, and start doing your due diligence and just really um, listening to your body and asking questions. And, um, you know, I think that's obvious where it's driven from for all of us. It is literally just a passion to help women because none of us are getting paid big bucks to do any of this. And I, I don't care, you know? Right. No, not at all. Yeah. So I totally agree. Um, Robin, I know you had to jump off. Are you, do you need to get off yet? You just, I'm good. I I have about 10 more minutes, but, um, this morning I was actually just looking at just talking about Botox and fillers. Um, I'm not, I know Amanda worked in the industry, so she's probably more well-versed on this, but I looked up, um, just a few and Amanda, I might be wrong. I don't even know if these are popular ones. I know Botox and Juvederm are very popular. Um, Bellotero, Hyloform, Ristolin, Bellafil, Cosmoderm. I looked up all of these just like on the FDA website for adverse mm-hmm. effects. And, you know, again, just like the breast implants, I don't, doctors and injectors are not telling patients, you know, they make you sign, everyone just signs off on it, but they have 10 girlfriends that have done this. But then we see the horror stories, you know, we see the botch jobs and even the very best surgeons that these women are going to. And, you know, just, I looked up everything from patients having eye pain, headaches, blurry vision, anaphylactic reactions. One patient had an anaphylactic reaction. She did a skin test for the product and she did get itchy, but because she didn't get a rash, they proceeded with the product and she had an anaphylactic reaction. Um, Pain in their tear ducts, lumps after they were getting injections, they came out, um, they ended up having lumps that needed to be uh, medically removed and medical intervention with osteoma cutis or I don't know how to pronounce it, but basically calcium deposits in the skin. So it's just like breast implants and fat transfer and, you know, tummy tucks, all these procedures that women are doing, that their friends are doing, that it's just normalized. They come at, they come with risks, some very serious risks, some of them. So I think we need to treat it as such. And if someone is, you know, I've seen patients have extreme weight loss surgery and so proud of them for doing the work and losing the weight, but they're left with sagging skin. And so they want that skin removed, but really just know, be informed, do your research about the risks because the doctors aren't telling patients. And I'm sorry to say that, but we did, we did a survey in 2020 and over 5,000 patients responded. And the, the booklet that the FDA told to all the manufacturers to give to every patient, 86% of patients aren't getting that booklet to tell them about the breast implants that they're putting in their body. So, you know, if the surgeons aren't doing their job, we really need to push ladies to do the research and get that information. Yeah. Also an aha moment. So this is what I'm saying. When you get breast implants, at least this is my, um, this was my experience. They become part of you. That's why, like, I never even thought of this when I, you know, if we were talking about like my health, they were, they were part of me now, but I don't even think most of the women who have them in them now are understanding the highly flammable toxic chemicals that are in these. 
And so, of course, you're not ever going to be as healthy as you could be if you didn't have over 40 highly toxic chemicals inside you. Most of these women, I had to be the bearer of bad news telling them that the silicone shell is even there and present on the saline implants. They thought, oh, I have saline. So, whew, you know, I'm scot-free. And I will tell you from my experience that BII affects women who have saline, silicone, all the manufacturers, you know, whether they're round, whether they're teardrop, whatever it is, I've seen it in all of them. I've seen it in young women. I've seen it happen quickly in women. I've seen women who are in their 70s and 80s who claim that they are perfectly healthy and they've never had an issue. I feel like I've seen it all at this point. Or I've talked to also thousands and thousands of more women who weren't patients who are just follow me and share their stories. So, you know, I'm not saying that every woman's going to get sick from them. Um, but there's enough now that look at some of the things that they ban the odd wall of drink that I can't remember how many people were injured from that or that Samsung phone. Those were recalled. And this was like very few harmed or, you know, killed from it. But then you've got hundreds of thousands. If not now, we don't have any data that will support how many women have suffered from BII over the years but you still have this product and it's not been recalled other than, you know, the textured implants. That's bothersome yeah. to me <laughs> and Robin. Yeah, it is. It is for sure. Um, on, I wanted to ask on Botox and fillers, because again, it's something I haven't done. It's something I went to estheticians. I looked into it way back when, and I was always just too nervous. I was so afraid mm -hmm. I was going to be that person that had a reaction or something happened. And I'm glad I was that way. And so I haven't had it done, but people I know that have had it done or people that have had issues talk about um, fillers like clogging up. I think Robin, you mentioned that. And um, I'm like, what is that? When, when, because I don't, I'm not very familiar with what's in a filler. What are they putting in you? Again, another foreign substance. I think that's what's hard for me to grasp, just like implants, when you really dig into it and read what these things are made of and what's really in, all the chemicals. And so I think about that with Botox and fillers too. Like, what is it that you're injecting all so close to so many things that could just go wrong? Well, I think it's the lymphatic, you know, your lymphatic, it's a network of vessels all through your face and your body. That's what I believe um, the filler and a lot of people I speak to, um, estheticians, et cetera, believe is the issue there. I had a woman who was a hairdresser and I felt for her. She had um, hyaluronic acid in her tear troughs. And she needed a little bit dissolved with something called hyaluronidase. And after having the hyaluronidase done that dissolves it, she felt the feeling of it all going into her sinus cavity, causing a lot of issues. She asked me finally, Amanda, have you ever heard of this before? What should I do? She was going not only back to the practitioner who originally did the filler. And they said, I don't know. I know how to put it in. I don't know how to help you with something like this. She said, something's not right. It's uncomfortable. I can feel it all through my face. She went to 15 and paid for these consults with 15 different professionals, dermatologists, plastic surgeons. They're like, we don't know how to help you. 
I finally said, well, here, this is just my common sense. I don't know if it's going to work. Go and have thermography. See if you can locate it. And guess what? The thermography located it right in her sinuses, where they were basically calling her crazy and saying that there's no way that that could be. And through um, manual massage in her face, worked it out to the point that she felt comfortable again. So that bothered me that she was being treated the same way that I was treated with the breast implants. And, you know, I follow Gretchen who has never talks. I don't get deep into the filler and the Botox other than just to, um, you know, encourage women from my journey of stopping if they want to, um, because I feel like it will dilute the breast implants, but, um, she's a great resource, never talks on Instagram. And, there are many women harmed by Botox. I would say it's getting up there with the breast implants and people don't talk about that at all. Do you you think that has, I mean, and this is completely, we're not medical professionals. We're just offering up what we've learned and what we know. Do you think it has to do with anything with um, where people are going now to do it? There's all these Botox parties. There's people that Mm -hmm. will have them in their home uh, like in the pe- the professionals that are doing it. I just wonder sometimes if that has to do with it too, if you're not really going to, um, I, I don't know what their titles are certified or whatever, but if they're not going somewhere where um, they're reputable, you know that, that the products they carry are legit, they're not expired. I've heard about that b- before too, using expired uh, Botox at Botox parties. I mean, that's sure. the stuff I think about. That would be a concern. I left an office once because I found out that they were ordering filler from China. And I said, I, I'm out of here. Um, I think it's the toxicity we have these days. It's in our air, it's in our soil, it's in our foods, in our water. I think it's um, people have a certain toxicity load that their bodies can handle. So like for me, the breast implants put me over the edge where the breast implants aren't going to be another woman's kryptonite. So I think it's um, just all the toxins we have. You're just going to see people get autoimmune illness more frequently and um, get sicker faster. So that's another reason why I'm just putting it out there. If you just do a little Botox here and there, but you have a really healthy lifestyle, you don't have implants, you're probably going to be fine. Same thing, maybe with the implants, if you're super healthy and you do everything else right, maybe you're going to be just fine. I'm just saying that like, if we want to live a less toxic lifestyle, be aware of what you're putting in your body each and every day and choose wisely. Yeah, that's it. I agree. And I, I, I mean, obviously it does matter where you go. You don't want to go to some back alley shop that's, you know, working with black market products. But I've seen the best, most popular surgeons in Beverly Hills and West Palm Beach and all the places and women have complications. Like I went to one of the best reconstruction surgeries in the Valley in the Phoenix area and, you know, I had complications. So a lot of times it's, I mean, obviously it is important where you go, but a lot of times I hear the plastic surgeon saying, well, she probably didn't go to a board certified plastic surgeon. Yes, she did. He's actually triple board certified. And, you know, everybody in Hollywood goes to them. So does it matter? I mean, obviously you do want to go to a board certified doctor, but that doesn't mean you're safe from any of these risks that can happen. Right. And I want to say one more thing. You know, I want to make it really clear that nobody, not Robin, not myself, nobody's trying to like 
take away these people's ability to make money and to ruin their lives. I mean, this is how I made my living for many, many years. I saw many people whose lives were transformed by amazing surgeries like Mohs repair after skin cancer removal. Like Robin said earlier, um, you know, after bariatric, you know, um, surgery, having, you know, the extra skin contour to their body. These are surgeries that I think are hugely beneficial to people. A breast lift maybe for a woman who's had a child and makes her feel like a million bucks. I think all of that's great. I don't promote excessive plastic surgery. I do want surgeons to start recognizing these women. That is all. Be transparent because people are gonna respect you and trust you even more if you are. And, and let's just like keep the conversation going, but like we're certainly not trying to ruin anyone's livelihood. I just want these surgeons to remember that these women who you're calling crazy are the women who paid for the roof over your head and the fancy car you're driving. So, you know, don't forget that. Yeah, yeah, such a good point. And, you know, I had a doctor and um, I do still see him occasionally just because I, I love him and I'll go back every now and then. But he, one of the visits that I went in, it was during my perimenopause and just, I had so many issues as I went through that. And I felt crazy, you know, I felt like I was literally going crazy. And he was one of the ones that he sat there with me for 45 minutes, which how many of them do that? They uh, and yes. sat there with 40, 45 minutes and we chatted and he told me how he felt like he did such an injustice for so many years to so many women by playing off their menopause and telling mm -hmm. them, hey, it's just your age. It's just, yeah, you're I take an antidepressant. I mean, he shared with me all this. And then over the years, how his eyes were open, he started researching, he really dug in and started learning more. And he said, I've completely changed my direction in how I help women um, now. It was It was so incredible. That's beautiful. It was so empowering and encouraging to me that, wow, how many women are you going to help now, you know, by, mm. by recognizing that? So I think it is just, um, it, it, it is, it's again, it's being your own advocate. It's like you said, we are not trying to stop anyone from doing anything because mm. I, I, to each his own what they want to do. It's just mm. like you said, let's keep the conversation going. Let's keep creating awareness. Let's show women alternatives for things that you can also be doing for your inner health and also for outer health, for beauty, holistic. Uh, I just think these are the conversations. And I think a lot of the women from what feedback I get want to hear it and they want to know, well, what are you doing? If you're not doing all that, then what are you doing? And I'll share the things mm -hmm. I'm doing or the products I'm using or yeah. That is the conversations that I would love to see continue. And I, I think it's it's on y'all's hearts too. Yeah, 100%. Um, is there anything you want to add? Anything we might have forgot? Or I mean, I could ask a million million questions because I still I, I would still love to even know more on, on the holistic side and castor oil packs, which is another thing that love them. I know I, I know you do. And I want to <laughs> dig deeper into learning more about those. And like I said, the lymphatic, um, I want I'd like to go to someone to actually yeah. do that. Um we could have a million conversations about it. Yeah. Um, I mean, with the castor oil packs, I just want to quickly say, because people don't think about it, 
nobody told us that we needed to detox our livers on a regular basis. And I read something once and I hope that I have the number right. 90% of people function off of only 10% of their true liver ability. And so unless we continue to detox it, we're going to run into problems, right? Because our liver is what filters everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so castor oil packs are an amazing way. You just have a bottle of castor oil. I pour it on this little pad that wraps around my body. Um, There's one that I use queen of thrones that I like a lot. I sell on my Instagram. She's great. She's got great info too. And I sleep better because, you know, during the years that I was really sick, I would wake up at three in the morning, unable to fall back asleep. And you'll hear that from a lot of people and liver can do that. Your liver, if it's over. And of course, so many of ours are going to be overwhelmed. Um, Also, you know, you have to remember that I have never spoken to a woman personally who has breast implants, who doesn't have a degree of gut issues and, you know, disease starts in the gut. And so I, when I started my holistic breast team to assist our patients, I knew I had to find somebody who is great at healing the gut. And I recommend that to every woman who I've assisted. I said, even if you don't do it immediately, doesn't need to be done immediately after explant, you must heal your gut. I think that that is something that we all should know to do. And I last um, healed mine in 2020 or 21. I'm going to be doing the fully again. I take a comprehensive gut test and it tells you all your good and bad gut flora. And everybody's guts are different. So yours is different than mine. It's different than Robin's. Um, But then you're given like, you know, usually a 12 week protocol of supplementation um, to help balance all of your flora. It makes such a huge difference. And so all of these things are things we just weren't taught. We weren't taught to also add minerals. Did your parents ever tell you to take your minerals? No. no. Well, we used to get our minerals from the soil that our, our fruits and vegetables were grown in, but now everything's so genetically modified and the soils mm-hmm. are stripped of nutrients. But um, just to feedback on what Amanda said about, um, you know, supplementing and such and, and detox protocols, I hope that everyone knows to just make sure you're being followed and treated by a practitioner that's doing the workup to find out what you're deficient in, because then they can properly supplement supplement and then know what your genetic mutations are and what kind of forms of supplements you need to be taking. So it's not that I'm anti the detox. It's just, it has to be done right. And you have to go to a practitioner who really knows how to work with patients like that. So please reach out to Amanda and I, we know a ton of people in the community that are willing to help with that. Um, and I, I really discourage people from just seeing a BII woman on Instagram or something saying, oh, you did a liver, liver detox. I want to do it too. And then she sends her a link and, you know, you buy stuff online. Um, that, that can actually be very dangerous to do it that way. So that is please. such a good point because I think yeah. that happens a lot. And mm-hmm. I know just for my own clients, well, I'm doing this detox and well, I bought this cleanse over here and that. And but it's like, well, what are the other things that you're also doing to help release that? And I'm also a, I'm a, a fan of colonics and, and, yes, me too. and I believe it's another way to clear out. Mm-hmm. And um, so there's so much that goes hand in hand and it does get, get someone that can walk you through and help you in it. Don't just try something because this influencer over here put that on her page right. and that looks amazing. And and I mean, reach out to Robin and people like Amanda 
Um, and I will have all your info in the show notes um, on where to best uh, get in touch with you. But like they said, they they don't, you know, they're not making a lot of money or any money out there talking about the breast implant illness. Um, but they're they're there to help you um, and to guide you and be an advocate. And I know for you, um, Amanda, I mean, you do have a health coaching business also. Yeah, I mean, I was too busy with patients before to really yeah. be able to do much of that. I was, like I said, we did four a week that I was getting ready for surgery and helping with afterwards. Um, I've since left Western medicine um, and it was just time for me. I never put myself first and I have so many more things that I want to do. So I have some really exciting things that are going to be coming out after the new year. And I will always be there for patients that that's never, I've never wavered on that. Always happy to help. I don't share medical advice um, on social media, um, but I can speak to my experience um, and what worked for me. Right. And so, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I'll just say all of us, we're not, we're not 20 or 30 year olds. Um, and I just turned 59 and Amanda, you said you just turned 50 Yeah. and Robin remind me. I'm 51. I just turned 51. So I, what I wanted to point that out because of course mine is called your age is not your cage. It's like you have all of us women here. Now I can say everyone's over 50. Uh, yeah that we are more, I feel like, and from what I've learned about you two, more passionate, more energetic, we we feel healthier, better uh, than I ever did in my 20s, 30s, or 40s. And it's like, I'm just ready to go now, you know, and I can tell that you both are too. And so I I absolutely love it. And I'm just so honored you both came on here. And I just love hearing your experiences, your stories, and just helping um, you and your paths to create awareness too. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, I just uh, enjoyed every second of it. Yeah. Maybe we we'll need get to meet up sometime. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And we need to inspire the youth. You know, I now will wrap this up, but I'm doing talks with teens just about the pitfalls of some of these cosmetic procedures and just encouraging them to do their homework, you know, just everything we've been talking about, but at a younger age, because the pressure, when I started seeing all of these gals at, you know, 18, getting filler and Botox years ago, it really, really troubled me because I know that I was kind of forced into it working in the industry at too young of an age, but, um, I, this ageism, it's got to stop because it's not even real. Yes, it's not. Robin and I touched on that a little bit about just, you know, pouring into the next generation and being an example that it is okay if we're aging. It's okay if we have some wrinkles. It shows our life well-lived. It shows yeah. it shows laughter. And um, so I love that you're doing those talks too. And I just, I, I don't know. I just think you're both going to be so inspiring to so many. And I just... Just thank you so much for joining me on here. Thank, oh, you, thank you, Carla. All right. Well, we will. Um, I, we we may update and do some more down the road. Um, but in the meantime, um, I just encourage the listeners to follow you both and uh, check the show notes for all your contact information and um, just stay aware and keep inspiring. Oh, thank you. We'll see you okay. soon. Thank you both so much. Thank you. Bye. Bye.